Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Happy Friday. (laughs) Happy Friday. We made it. How are you? We did. I'm really good. Week with no children. Hindu. I mean, actually feel really guilty about it. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's wonderful to have time away from your kids. And it's so lovely that I have parents that want to look after small children for seven nights. But I do feel, yeah, I do actually feel quite like icky icky about it um but i'm gonna get a hold of myself because it's (laughs) if i was if i was you i'd be telling me i was pathetic (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna say that to you because i know exactly how you feel nice (laughs) i know and also i think everybody listening can like it's really good Mm. to have that space and we always encourage people to have time away from their kids but seven nights is a big chunk the only thing Mm. i can say to you is is for the first three days you 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 know you've worked your socks off this week and you couldn't have got done all your work if the kids were rushing around so firstly don't beat yourself up about that secondly you know she's one of your greatest mates and she's having her hen do away and you deserve to go and have that space thirdly you're going on holiday with them next week and you've got them solely to yourself you know and that's going to be really lovely for you guys as a family so yeah thank you don't feel guilty no 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 (laughs) I won't and actually we always beat the drum that we shouldn't ever feel guilty about something that's for us but sometimes those little feelings pop up how are you oh of course you know what I had exactly the same thing this week and I've had quite I mean, I haven't necessarily been handling it internally very well with specifically Luna a little bit. Um, Actually, do you know what? Both of them, Luna and Kit, being quite unsettled with me not being there in the mornings. And Mm. that is is the you know the con one of the cons of doing this shift is that I don't get to see them from when I put them to bed at 8 p.m until the following day at like three and Mm. it's really tough it's really tough and Luna's been articulating it with me and then last night when I went in to say goodnight to her and we were having this lovely cuddle we did some reading she turned around to me and she said mommy can I ask you something and I said yeah of course and she said I've been having all these really big thoughts and I said okay well tell me what you're thinking and she said get this Mm -hmm. she said what are we doing on this world. Oh, God. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She goes, I just keep thinking about my life and I keep thinking, what are we doing in this world? Like, why are we here? And I thought, Jesus, she's six. That sort of thought before bed every night, of course she's going to feel a bit unsettled. And then I said, look, let's have a conversation about it. And she said, you know, we've been talking about Grandpa Peter quite a lot. And she's like, what happens when we die? And then she was like, where is Grandpa Peter? And we started talking about death and life. And it was just, I just thought, wow, this is somebody who's really going into a new phase a of thinker. really seeing things differently yeah what what did you say to that question like i, I just don't know what I, I honestly don't know what i would say i'd be like ah there's a fire <laughs> quick get out 
<laughs> distract, distract. <laughs> um, I tried to hold space for, for her, for, for the thought. And I tried to explain to her about, you know, being here to go on adventures and to grow and to learn and to, you know, meet new people and fall in love and travel. And I just tried to pick all the really amazing things. And I said, but sometimes we feel all these big emotions that come up and they can make us feel quite sad. And then I get a feeling here and I pointed to the middle of her chest and she said, oh, I get that sometimes. And I didn't say, oh, that's, that sounds like anxiety. But I think, yeah, I just think she's thinking about the the big picture more than mm. she ever has done. Wow. There's a lot. Gosh, then I cried yeah. when I left the room. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh God, I mean, oh, God. Yeah, I think I would have cried at that. That, that feels like a lot. And Does that sound it, normal? I'm sure it's normal. I really yeah. am. I'm really sure it's normal. Yeah, because why wouldn't it be? I think that's the, I think actually six going on seven, that age, we've noticed it with Axel. It feels like a big transition. Mm. Like mm. it's a big transition. I think they go from being young children to almost like getting slightly older and understanding more and not being like you can't fob them off anymore at at six seven you can't like you can't give them a, a you know a duff answer to anything no ha- like and I think that's when they start to question things and know yep. that not everything is as it seems always and they kind of start yeah it's I mean it's it's a hard bit I think it's a hard phase actually yeah it's weird because Axel's been a lot more um like vocal at bedtime asking questions wanting cuddles wanting someone there like it's really weird James was like he's reversing to a baby (laughs) no I don't think he's reversing to being a baby (laughs) I don't think that but I think he's just like yeah just needing a bit more probably feel yeah like they they starting to see the world as it is or like starting to see things as it is and they they feel a bit like Oh, this is scary. Does it happen a lot before bed? Because yeah. that's the one thing that I'm finding with Luna, that it's taking her longer to wind down. Yes. So I think she's lying there and all of these big emotions are coming up. And Me I'm taking, sense. you know, before I think I was quite quick to kind of be like, oh, no, you're okay. Anyway, you know, count backwards from 100. And, okay, oh. love you. Look, I stay in your bed and just because I was so exhausted. And now I'm really taking time with her to sit with her. Someone actually said that. Who was it that we had on the podcast? I can't remember who said it to me. That but not rushing stuff at about bedtime. Not, yeah and yes. sitting there and just giving your child the space to talk to you about whatever they want to because yeah. they need time to come down from the day as well so I've yeah. started to try that um, but talking of kind of nighttime and bedtime and sleep we have got an amazing Q&A today for you guys thank you so much for sending in all of your questions not sleep involving our kids in fact but sleep involving you and I yes grown ups grown up sleep yeah because yeah, it's not actually not always easy and particularly like with hormones with becoming a parent there's so many things that can disturb our sleep so we thought we'd do a QA and a um, for you guys and also for us and so we got like literally one of the top sleep experts in the UK to come on and answer your questions so joining us on the podcast today Stephanie Romashevsky yay Yay. I feel sleepy already (laughs) Stephanie um this podcast is going to be all about sleep but mainly adult sleep do you want to just give um the listeners like a little insight into your background yeah I am so very strange I suppose I started with a psychology degree because I kind of thought I wanted to do something to do with the brain and helping people in that way um but had a very amazing opportunity to go over to Harvard Medical School and be a circadian technician which was essentially doing sleep research so all those blue light studies um helping to understand how astronauts might sleep on mars i got this massive insight into sleep and obviously came back with all these skills and was like my god i want to do this instead and so then just had i was very lucky because they trained me up to essentially be a sleep physiologist and so i went straight into the sleep world and started doing 
sleep research. I then went worked at Guys and St. Thomas's and learned all about the different clinical sleep disorders, of which there's hundreds, though people might just assume there's like three or four, there's hundreds. Um, and then from there, realized that the NHS wasn't really treating one of the most common issues, which was insomnia. So started up my own consultation, uh, uh, like a private clinic, um, looking at that, then realized that not everyone can afford that. And I wanted something to be sustainable. So then we uh, built a health tech company where we retrain people to sleep. It's called resleep. Um, oh, when they have chronic insomnia and things like that. So I'm just doing lots of weird and wonderful things. And I still do all those things. So but in the NHS right now, um, I work at um, the Occupational Health Service at the Royal Devon and Exeter down in Devon. Um, and I'm so lucky because I I get to help the staff now which I think is really cool so surgeons and doctors and nurses that can't sleep and building programs for them that will work for them with the shift work and all the rest of it amazing wow I mean there's so much that I want to just off the top of my head now I just want to go because it's the subject that Georgia and I probably spent the most time talking about whether it was the fact that our babies weren't sleeping whether it was the fact that we were incredibly incredibly pissed off that we had our sleep cut into so it's definitely a a hot topic um, when you become a parent but also how your sleep changes when you become a mother just you know even if your baby's not waking you up you're suddenly waking up yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) frustrating thing when you actually get your kids to sleep and then you can't sleep Um, I completely understand that because you're you are or rather your baby and your children are creating a pattern for you so it doesn't matter that you've got them to sleep now it makes total sense because of how our bodies work that you now have this weird pattern where you're like why can't I sleep but your body's like no we're fine mate like you this is what you wanted I've done exactly what you wanted and you're thinking no brain this is not what I want. I want to yeah. sleep now. Yeah. So it makes sense to me, but that's because I've been studying it for a long time. Well, we've got so many questions that we yeah. want to ask you. Um, we'll kick this off with Jem. Why does a full moon impact sleep and what can we do to stop it? Oh, I've heard loads about this. Yeah. It's a really, okay, it's an interesting question. I mean, I'm not the expert on uh, the moon, um, but essentially from my perspective, the most common reason that that would be is because there is far more light exposure on the nights where there is a full moon. You might think that it's completely dark, but actually open your eyes. Are you really in a blacked out room? You know, when you go to the loo, is it really bright? I know that on a full moon, if I walk out of my room, it's suddenly super bright. And even animals, and you know children like most of us will be more alert and more sort of is seemingly behaving strangely on full you know full moon nights but actually it's often because of the light exposure we're not supposed to have that much light in the middle of the night we're supposed to be in darkness we're not nocturnal creatures we are diurnal which means our bodies want to be awake and alert in the day and asleep at night that is how we have evolved on this planet with this light dark cycle and so Mm. when there's a full moon from my perspective which will be maybe slightly different to someone who is an expert in the moon or you know uh, other areas but I would argue that that's probably the most pragmatic reason why that's happening I think me and Gemma like spirit animals because when there's a full moon I'm like oh I feel really moony today and Dos is like feel a bit moony what hell are you talking about and like you know the energetic fields and I feel a bit emotional and he was like I'm not buying it I'm with Dos I'm with Dos I can't get on board (laughs) let's just leave it there yeah let's leave it there um this is interesting tips on eating before bedtime like what affects your sleep so it's a great question again because we are diurnal creatures we are designed or rather evolved to actually 
eat during the day, to metabolize during the day. We don't metabolize well or efficiently at nighttime. So the closer you eat to bedtime, essentially what you're asking your brain is to choose. Do you want me to start the physiological process of sleep or do you want me to metabolize your food? And often instead of choosing one, it kind of tries to do both in a very rubbish way. And so you might have a bit of a tummy ache or you just might have really disrupted sleep or essentially something's going on where your brain can't do what you're asking of it because you're asking too many of very diverse things for it to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are hungry, so it's hard, I, I was talking about this, uh, this to uh, my dietitian friend uh, in the NHS and we were talking loads about circadian rhythms which we can talk more about yes. but essentially with eating obviously you need to make sure you're eating enough um, and if you're hungry before bed it makes logical sense or if you're hungry in the middle of the night it makes logical sense that in order to be able to sleep you've got to eat something in order to get rid of that hunger but here's the issue if you did that two or three days in a row even if after that your hunger you know you you, you ate more during the day and you weren't as hungry your brain will still start waking you up at nighttime because your brain thinks that that's what you want now. Oh, she she usually wakes up and has a biscuit. So I'm going to wake her up. I'm going to reduce her melatonin levels. I'm going to increase her cortisol. I'm going to make her feel like she's ready to go and get that biscuit to help her when actually it was our own behavior. So really what I would argue is you need to be eating enough during the day that you can give yourself that whole period of sleep and a couple of hours before it, no food. So that one, your metabolism your metabolism can rest and um, do what it needs to do um, but also so that your sleep can do what it needs to do does that make sense yeah totally yeah. it makes total sense really love that interesting. um so those curries that i've been eating in bed just before i go to sleep <laughs> Not good. Not, not so good. Not so good. How to drown out my husband's snoring. He can even snore lying on his front. How? Oh, good. Well, I've got a pretty interesting answer to this question. Of course, the, the obvious answer is you need to maybe find out why that snoring is taking place. It is true that about 20% of the population snore for different reasons, and there can be anatomical reasons. It could be weight gain. So if he's gained a lot of weight recently, or even not that much, but it's just for him, it's quite a lot for his um, airway, then that's going to put pressure on your airway. And it can even lead to something called sleep apnea, but that's a whole yeah. other sleep disorder. Yeah. Snoring can be on its own. It can be something anatomical. It can be something to do with your nose. So the first thing I would suggest is actually finding out why is this snoring happening? happening to see if there is a pretty quick way like I don't know losing five pounds or um you know getting an airway uh, or your nasal airway unblocked a little bit and, and making sure that actually everything is clear if it's that easy the other options for example if you're told by an ENT specialist, which are the people that would be looking down your nose and making sure that everything's okay. Um, if they're telling you, well, there's not nothing very big that can be done here, then the other thing to understand is that actually you can to a degree get used to snoring if your own sleep quality is strong enough. So there is this thing called hypersensitivity where if you, and it's ironic because the very thing that's avoiding you from sleeping, so the snoring, if that breaks your sleep enough over a long period of time, time your sleep your sleep in general I call it your sleep muscle though you don't really have a sleep muscle but the muscle gets weaker and what that means is you become extra sensitive 
to your surroundings. So now the snoring is even worse for you. It's affecting you even more oh because your sleep is broken. So what if you could kind of like reverse engineer this issue? What if you could actually find a way to build your own sleep strength so that you could ignore this better? And there is a way to do that. Um, and that is by taking care of your and uh, regulating your natural circadian rhythm. So we've already said it, but circadian literally just means in Latin about a day. That's all it means. And it's referring to some of the physiological processes we have that run over a 24 hour period. Your sleep wake cycle is one of them. Your temperature is another mood, your appetite regulating hormones, all those things affect each other because they're all on this 24 hour cycle. So yeah, essentially, if you can do some things that will strengthen your circadian rhythm. So for the first thing being that waking up um, at the same time every day, or at least getting up at the same time every day. It's, you know, sometimes we feel like we need to get up earlier. And sometimes if we've had a really bad night, we want to get up later. But really, if you can keep that time fairly regular and go to bed when you are sleepy tired, so not forcing yourself to go to bed earlier because you think that's what you need. Resting is important. Winding down before sleep and making sure that at the same time every day, you've got that opportunity if you need it. But don't force yourself to go to bed unless you really need it. Because sometimes a smaller sleep window when you are having very broken sleep can actually build up this sleep strength that I'm talking about. Keep your daytimes the same. Exercise, see your friends. Don't shy away from things because you think that they might not be helpful for your sleep. Because that mm. is where most people drift away from their usual well-being which only makes the sleep problem worse. And by doing these things, let's say over two or three weeks, with the help of some light exposure and exercise in the morning, if you're doing these things, you will find that your sleep strength, as I like to say, is, is going to improve. Yeah. And therefore, you are not as sensitive to the noises outside. There's, there's two things I want to ask. The first one is we hear a lot of myths. We read, um, or at least we, we, we don't know they're myths. We think there might be facts in the press about, you know, napping for 20 minutes, the ultimate oh. napping time, you know, uh, have a better night's sleep if you can get 20 minutes shut eye during the day. So first I would love you to unpick that one for me. And then secondly, I get quite frustrated. I'm sure that Georgia feels the same, although maybe she is getting her full eight hours. I get almost sleep anxiety if I'm not getting eight hours I'm being told I need because mm. it's just not it's not possible for me at the moment to get that. So do we need eight hours or can we survive on less? So I'll start with the napping. Um, there is, so obviously there is evidence that shows that short naps can actually be really helpful for your performance, for example. But put it in, a, in context, if you are not sleeping well at night and you start compensating by napping during the day, you are going to reinforce the issue because it's all a pattern, right? So your brain's just going to think, oh, she doesn't mind us having this type of sleep at night because she compensates for it during the day. So we're going to change her sleep. And you're not meeting the expectation that you think you should have. And often that is based on your second question, which is having this lovely block of sleep at night. But in reality, your brain is just adapting to you because that's what it's evolved to do. It's actually amazing how much it can do that. But we're terrified of these changes. So napping can be, in some people quite helpful especially if they've been doing it since they were very very little they might say to you you know I nap during the day and I have a short nap and it does me the world of good but the reality is their expectations of their nightly sleep won't 
probably be the same as yours because their sleep at night will be different to yours. That you know, there's so many, there's so much context needed for this. Also, just to mention, if you feel like you have to nap every single day and there's no real reason, like obviously, if you've got a baby and you are teaching baby to sleep, of course you're going to be tired during the day. And absolutely, if you need to nap, you just go and do what you need to do. That's absolutely fine in the short term. But if you find that you have to have really long naps um, during the day, it can be a sign if there's nothing else going on with your sleep and you sleep eight, maybe you sleep eight hours, seven, eight, nine hours at night, and you're still that tired during the day, it's time to speak to your GP because that can be a sign of something wrong with the architecture of your sleep and, and that needs to be looked into. So it's not normal to feel excessively sleepy during the day if there's nothing breaking your sleep at night. So that's mm. really important to say. Yeah. But the second, the second part of your question, do we all need eight hours? Absolutely not. Everybody's entirely different. And here's the thing. Even if we did all need eight hours of sleep, it would be utterly impossible in the life that we have now. Doesn't matter where you live in the world at the moment. Um, you, you will not be able to get it every single night. And by teaching people that that's what they should have, they are going to strive for perfection, essentially. Yep. And that's an issue because you can't get there. There are two, you are a variable. As a human, you are a variable and you are constantly changing, especially if you have hormonal changes. That is going to change you. Your environment's going to change you. Your stress levels, you know, medications, illnesses, life events, all these things have an impact on you and your physiological processes. You cannot expect them to be the same all the time. Mm -hmm. What you can do is the things I described earlier to help regulate your circadian rhythm because that keeps your sleep strength strong. And it's funny because those are the things that people drift away from the like first when these things start to become an issue and they start freaking out about their sleep so I would argue that the next time that you think that there is something wrong with your sleep and you're right at the beginning of it right the first and best thing you could do is not worry just think okay my body doesn't want to sleep right now I'm going to go and enjoy myself and read this magazine because I never get to do anything for myself so that's what I'm going to do okay. and you know what I'm going to feel a bit extra sleepy but as long as I don't keep changing everything as long as I don't lie in go to bed early stop seeing my friends don't go to the gym eat chocolate cake for breakfast every morning because I just feel rubbish now because my sleep is so bad then I promise you your body will fix it itself but it is our changing of our behaviors all the time that are going to impact the, right. the issue the most because george what it. time do you yeah. georgia goes to bed at half eight? i go to, no so my phone goes into sleep mode at 20 past eight every night Good. and it's like wind down time i go to bed at probably 10 and i but i get up at six every morning Ooh. even on the weekend you go to bed That's way amazing. earlier than that you're Love in it. bed with your phone doing the old hair mask. Oh, oh sometimes. Look at me with no, 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 sometimes. <laughs> but no, no, no. We are, we, it's now, it, 10 o'clock is our bedtime because my husband doesn't yeah. get home till eight. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's 10 o'clock. And, and I get up at six every yep. single day. But um, yeah, I've had, but I've had things where I've had little blips where I haven't been able to sleep very well. And it's so interesting you say about keep it like, you know, staying the same because what I used to be worried about when I was laying there and not being able to sleep was like, oh my God, I'm going to be tired tomorrow. Oh God, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. This isn't going to be fun. And then I think so. It might have been you. You you said to me, you've always been more tired than this. So don't worry about it. Oh my God. It's my favorite question. That's wonderful. You have to ask yourself the question, when have I felt more tired? And yeah. the answer, or have I felt more tired? Yeah. And the answer is always yes. Yeah. That is, how funny. And that I also do that with hangovers. Yeah. Do you know what you teach? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, because because when you get someone with chronic insomnia, especially when you're fixing it, sometimes they can have a bit of a blip and then they have a bad night because that's yeah. normal because you're never going to be able to get rid of all the bad nights because even normal healthy sleepers will have bad nights and, and they'll start freaking out about it. And actually what we say is, but okay, it's the morning on a spectrum of one to 10. How are you feeling? Because probably you felt worse before. Mm. And you got through it. Yeah. And also by doing a little spectrum, by the way, like on a scale of one to 10, you can then think, okay, well, how can I get up to three? If I'm on two, how can I get up to three? Maybe it's having a healthy breakfast. Maybe it's going and having some exercise. Maybe it's talking to my best friend. What can I do that just keeps me going up all the way through the day? And I promise you, you will have a better night's sleep the next night because you didn't give in and think, well, I blame my sleep for everything. So therefore I'm going to get fired. I'm going to do that meeting badly. I'm not going to be able to cope. Okay. It's a bit of sleepiness but actually sleepiness is incredibly healthy for us and I think that what's happening now is we're almost getting people to be terrified of sleepiness and then terrified at night of not being able to sleep and that is causing chronic insomnia yeah I was gonna actually ask you there's a question here which is how to get more deep sleep my apple watch says I'm only getting 12 to 22 minutes a night and I think there is this thing isn't there with tracking your sleep like I've I've picked up one of my smartwatches here Mm. and it's one of them things that does that make it worse that you know you're only getting this much? Yes. But also, yeah, one, you can't really, you can't, they're not super accurate. They're not super accurate. But also when you track, you need to understand, well, why am I tracking? What's the point of the tracking? Because tracking alone just creates a lot of anxiety and stress. I think we're very good at placing a lot of value on numbers. It's a bit like scale weight if you're trying to lose weight and you're weighing yourself every morning. And we know how bad that is at actually predicting what's going to happen to you if in fact it can make the journey a hell of a lot worse for you and cause eating issues and and anxiety issues and it's very similar with sleep tracking um it uh, yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's ideal but also most people don't understand how much deep sleep they're supposed to be getting you only actually stay in deep sleep about 20 percent of the night so the rest of the time and REM sleep as well those are the two most important areas and yet most of the night literally most of it you're going to be stay you're in stage 1 and 2 which is just light sleep that probably doesn't feel great that's where you are most of the time so that's actually so trying to, you can't focus on your deep sleep anyway all you can do is strengthen your sleep muscle the way that i described and that will get you through all your cycles of sleep but even then like i said you're going to have loads of things that get in your way like your environment and everything else and so to a point you have to just look after the bits you can do like the bits we've described but don't go wild with all these sleep hacks these sleep rituals these obsessive things that people are doing right now and spending a hell of a lot of money on because they think they're going to get this magical snake oil cure and it does it doesn't work like that you've got to put in the effort and that's I think that's it we don't like feeling out of control but also if we've got to do something consistently over time that's quite hard for us to do as human beings because we're taught that everything should be reactive you do it one night if it doesn't work in that night do something else yeah you do something else instead of thinking well let's give it two weeks before we make a decision here and so I, I guess we hear a lot from parents messaging us this this feelings around and I guess this is more about the mental 
um, strength that you have to have when you're constantly woken up by your children. Mm. But do you hear that a lot, that the, the pattern is broken by this constant, you know, either someone coming in or mum, yeah. or you hear it, or a baby cries, or a child yes. comes, like Luna comes and stands next to me yeah. every morning at five, whatever, and yeah. just being like, hello, mummy. And I find it really hard not to get really cross with her. Yeah. Um, so I guess, is there a way, are there any sort of tips, and, and or is that just more about <laughs> taking a deep breath I and getting on with it? <laughs> well, it's more, I think also, uh, just knowledge is power. So first of all, if I, if someone had a, a newborn baby, so let's start from the beginning and had sleep problems at that point, the biggest thing I'd be giving them and offering them is reassurance and letting them know they're doing their bloody best and they do not need to worry right now that, you know, millions of women have had to do this. And I'm not saying that makes it easy or that they should find it easy. But what I'm saying is there's going to be no long-term consequence. They're going to be okay. Now there is, unfortunately, when the pattern, if you do have, for example, a baby who is struggling really to sleep and it's gone over a few years, let's say, that's an issue because it can start breaking your sleep because the pattern gets ingrained yes. in your brain. But there are still things that we can do about it. So I think the most important thing we can do right now, right here, is to offer people that reassurance that actually all of it is just a pattern. Stop seeing it as a problem because all patterns can be changed, right? You can break a pattern and you can redo it. You can make a new one. That's exactly what we do at Resleep, for example. We break it and make the new one. So I think that's the most important thing. Of course, when we are tired, we are more irritable and more moody. And it is really hard when somebody wakes you up and you have to get up. But I think it's important to note that actually it is just sleepiness. You're going to be okay. It's a short term. It's not long term. So it's not the same as like, what, when researchers describe chronic sleep deprivation, I think they're not doing a great job because people are worried that they are describing them. And yeah. they're like, oh God, if this just keeps happening to me, is something terrible going to happen? It's not. As long as you're looking after your sleep in general, as long as you're doing more often than you're not, the things that you can do to look after your sleep, I promise you, your body will sort it out. Uh, but it's that fear and that worry. And we put so much onus on sleep, right? So, you know, when a child comes and wakes you, or you know, your son or your daughter comes and wakes you up and and you, and you get angry. And, and actually, there are so many more variables that you can control in your day that are going to make you feel better and make the situation better. But we make sleep that big thing. If I don't sleep well, then everything's going to go wrong. Yes. If you don't let me sleep then I will not be able to cope. That is not true, actually. We're very good as parents. Parents are amazing, amazing at dealing with it. They just, you know, I think the attitude, I think reframing it is helpful. Okay, you know what? I'm going to have a bit of sleepiness, but my brain is going to know what to do that. I'm going to sleep so well tonight if I yes, have a bit of broken sleep. Like try and change the way you look at it. And I know it's easy for me to say this because I've been researching it for almost 20 years now, but, you know, it is... I'm the same. I do. I have to say the most important thing I could ever tell anyone is try to get the whole family up if you can around about the same time every single day, because you will all notice. I know that's gorgeous space. Uh, but even if it's yourself, like you're, you're doing it already. You're getting up at six. But I get up at six because no one else does. Yeah. But that's, yeah. A, that's even, that's great, which is a wonderful time for you. Fantastic. And, it, and what I mean is, you know, even if the kids are getting up at a different time from you to make it fair, consistent for them too whatever their right. time is is incredibly important that will help regulate everything that tells your body when we want to be sleepy at night so if you keep letting your kids at the weekend lie in at different times than what happens during the week for example then don't be surprised when they're not ready to go to sleep two hours later than their usual bedtime 
because your sleep drive is built up during the day. So the more you can be consistent with your wake time stuff, the more likely you are to have better bedtimes. But no one's teaching that. Everyone's going on about what you should do before bed and having all these rituals around how we sort family bedtime. And I'm thinking, yeah, but if you don't sort out the morning, then that stuff's not going to make any difference. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? It's interesting because you keep talking about having the same bed, um, having the same wake time every day. And actually, the next few questions are around that. Mm. Rachel said, why do I keep waking up at the same time every morning, 4.50 a.m.? Which does seem quite early. And then someone else has said, body clock is screwed. I can never sleep past 6 a.m. now, kids or no kids. It's really interesting, these wake-ups that people have. They're, they're often just an ingrained pattern and you can get rid of it if you want to. It's kind of similar to how we deal with chronic insomnia. So actually reducing the sleep window a little bit, so restricting how much time you spend in bed in order to force your brain to fill in the gaps is can be really helpful. So in those situations, I would ask those people to um, choose a get-up time that they want to stick to for, let's say, the next two weeks, for example. And weekends are the same weekends as during the week, Weekends are right? the same as during the week. Um, to make it, you know, reasonable, like I know everyone wants to get up at nine, but, you know, think about your responsibilities and what is actually achievable for you and your body. Um, and then once you've got that, don't go to bed until you are sleepy tired. So yes, you know, get wind down, enjoy yourself, relax. Those things are important. Get ready for bed. But you know, have a read or do whatever you want. But don't go to the actual bedroom until you really do feel your eyes dropping. And make sure you push that round. So if you know that usually happens around 11, and you know that we're trying to like close that gap on these broken bits in your night, maybe push it round slightly, maybe even by a whole hour, you're not doing this forever, you're just doing it for now. And what you should notice as long as you keep your daytimes the same is that by building up a bit of a stronger sleep drive that it's a bit more predictable because you're being very specific about when you get up you should notice that it is much harder for your body to wake you in the night but if it's a pattern so I'm assuming these people have had this for over three months and it's really driving them bonkers if it's under three months then it's more likely that you can deal with the original culprit so what I mean by that is if you don't have good blockout curtains for example or I mean I have blockout curtains but I still have to fill in the cracks because otherwise it's really flipping light in my room yeah so that is incredibly important. Light is literally one of those energy sources outside of our own bodies that has the such a huge impact on us. We are much more like plants than we realize. Um, and that is going to impact your sleep. So if it's only just started, for example, in the last couple of months since it's actually been getting light very, very early, then what could be happening is your brain could be being signaled by the light to wake up and now it's a pattern. So it is important to look at your environment just to make sure the very influential things like light, and that is the most influential thing, is not impacting you waking up at that time. And then the last thing just to note is, it is important to say that as we get older, although we don't need less sleep, the reality is because our circadian rhythms do get weaker, especially in the second half of the night, and there's many reasons for this, including just age, but things like medications, illnesses, all the things we have to cope with, all the variables that change, it's harder to maintain the sleep in the second half of the night. That doesn't mean it's not important, uh, you know, or anything like that. It just means it does get harder. So, 
and we are more likely as we get older to start becoming more morning types. And what that means is you start to want to go to bed earlier and to get up earlier. And the only reason I'm really telling you this is because to be mindful, like I get up at six every morning at the moment, but and that suits me, you know, that helps me do my work, get my exercise in, walk the dog, all the things that, you know, we've got to do. But in the end, I know that as I get older, I probably will have slightly earlier circadian rhythm and I'll probably maybe want to get up at five. Now, I can shift this because we know so much about light and sleep scheduling, which is essentially what I've just been describing. I could shift this, right? But it would take a lot of effort from me. So I might decide, actually, do you know what? I'm totally okay with getting up a bit earlier. I'm not saying that these people should have that do that but it is something to to think about you know there are always ways that you can shift the patterns of sleep and I think that's really important to understand don't see these things as problems just see them as patterns that need to change understand how sleep works which is what we've been describing so that you know what the right things to do are there is no hack that you can do in the night that's going to magically get you back to sleep it's all a drop yeah (laughs) someone here has said I sleep a lot more during the week I'm on my period is this normal or forward slash healthy to give into so um everyone's going to have a slightly different experience when it comes to their periods and it is true that because of our hormone levels fluctuating that will have an impact on sleep because things like progesterone can have a bit of a sedative effect though that's not going to impact everyone and estrogen does have an effect on your temperature and temperature is quite in line with helping you to fall asleep so when that goes a bit wonky then your sleep can and then let's just add on PMS in general that's going to have an impact on our sleep it is common actually for some people to feel either that sleep gets interrupted or to feel slightly more sleepy at different stages of their menstrual cycle so I wouldn't I would not worry about this at all I would actually just you know, if you've been listening to all the other things about regulating your sleep, if you need a bit more, if you're getting up at the same time or around about the same time every day, and you're going to bed when you're sleepy tired, sometimes that's going to mean that you need to go to bed slightly earlier. And sometimes it's going to mean you're going to go to bed slightly later, as long as you're not dictating these things, because you think they should be that way. Do you see what I mean? Like, I think we do a lot of things in life, because someone told us that we should do it. But in this case, what I'm asking you to do is listen to your own circadian rhythm. And when you get that excessive sleepy feeling, and perhaps it's half an hour earlier than usual, it's probably for a reason. But you can only listen to it once you are getting up at the same time every day. Because if you're not doing that part, then it makes sense that everything else is going to be unpredictable and wonky. Right, I get it. Um, we've mentioned like the light and stuff like that. Some, you know, that affects your sleep. Someone else here has said, does taking a magnesium supplement help sleep? Uh, the simple answer is no, unless you've been to the GP and they've told you that you've got a deficiency in magnesium. So it's the same with most supplemental you know advice which is you know if your gp hasn't told you you have a deficiency then you're just wasting your money if you haven't had a blood test and you've got the yeah yeah, yeah, exactly what about like white noise there was a question here and actually this is one of my friends so she's got three children and even when we go away like on a girl's holiday she brings her white noise machine because she now cannot sleep without the Mm. white noise so i think um this is a really interesting question because you know Yes, we can sleep without any noise at all. You know, it's important to note that you don't need anything to sleep. 
right? You can do it naturally. And that's important. However, when it comes to noise, what we know is that if it's a consistent noise, like white noise, so things like a fan droning on all the way through your summer holiday, or, you know, stuff like that, that is wonderful and can be really helpful to drown out more unpredictable noises. And once you start getting used to it, it can be the same to your brain as silence, essentially. That can be really helpful to people who have tinnitus or just environmental noises that they're not going to be able to get rid of anytime soon. So that can be incredibly helpful. I would just be very mindful that if you're listening to something that has different pitches and tones and they go up and down, that can be very unhelpful. So for example, if you're listening to a podcast because you really enjoy doing that and you like to put a tight, you know, you, you like to listen to it essentially before you go to sleep, then put a timer on it so that it stops because the very thing that can help you with that facilitating your sleep process can be the thing that stops you from going into deep sleep later. Because if the pitch of that person's voice, for example, changes, then it's also going to stop you from going into the cycles of sleep or the stages of sleep in your cycle that you need. So that's the issue with noise is that without you even knowing, it can interrupt how your sleep is working. Right. Okay. Um, There's quite a lot of questions here about out when you have got like a small baby that wakes up in the night for milk or whatever then finding it really hard to go Mm. back to sleep after and feeling really wired Mm. how how can you sort of minimize this or help that so to a degree while this is going on of course I understand why it's hard and actually from like a sleep insomnia perspective what is happening is there's a pattern being formed. And so your brain is starting to get used to this wired time. And to a degree, what I've described, even with the addition of some short naps during the day to help you get through can be incredibly helpful. So those things about regulating your circadian rhythm. However, in the moment, I think it's really important to understand that there is nothing for you to worry about. If you can't get back to sleep, do not worry. Just enjoy yourself. Do things that you love that, you know, not things like daytime activities. I don't mean you want to be turning all the lights on and, you know, starting your day early. What I mean is use the time. Don't lie there and force pressure on your body because I promise you that will increase your chances of getting long-term insomnia. What you want to be doing is not worrying about it at all and just saying, okay, no bother. I'm going to be a bit extra sleepy perhaps because I have this interruption all the time. I might have to have a bit of a nap during the day if I can. If you can't nap, please don't worry. That's great. That means your drive is going to be used on the next night. So don't worry about that. Your body's working the way it should be. But it's about not worrying and just keeping things dark as much as you can so I was going to say yeah um, yeah. keeping things as dark as you can if you can um, and just keeping things calm and nice and relaxed if you want to it is helpful to leave the bedroom or at least leave the bed when you are not sleeping because having that association with the bed and spending a lot of time awake is enough for your brain to start thinking that you want to be in bed awake and that can actually encourage it to give you lots of things like cortisol instead of melatonin to help you because it's trying to aid you so you know it's a it's a it's this balance but also the most important thing is you just don't need to worry about it it is going to change in your future you're not going to sleep like this for the rest of your life it is a case to a degree of accepting it and being like okay well you know this is lovely what I'm doing is amazing and I just need to you know maybe I'll do something with my time or you know just listen to something relax in a way that you like to relax not that somebody else has told you that you got to do a breathing exercise or you've got to do this or you've got to do that I think it's really important that you find your own thing but most importantly I can't tell you how much worry and stress which we cause Mm -hmm. ourselves 
actually is much more dangerous than not sleeping. Yeah. So I think that's a, probably a good one to finish mm. on. But just when Gigi and Axel were little, I've quickly realized. So when I first started feeding them, well, Axel, I would get up and like go in the living room and feed mm. him. And then I'd be awake. And then as soon as I started changing it, where like I literally just fed him in the pitch black. Yeah. yeah. And had everything laid out, like when he started going onto bottles, I had like those pre-made mm-hmm. ones just by the bed. So I wasn't even having to like do all the, you Lovely. know, the bottles, yeah, yeah, all the yeah. flashing lights. It actually really yeah. helped. And it was so simple. Yeah. And actually, when you think about it, it makes so much sense just to keep it all in the dark. Um, I, I could go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 tricky. It's such, it, it's, sleep is such a mad thing, isn't yeah. it? Because you think it's like the most natural thing in the world to do, but actually it sometimes can be the hardest it is and it's so different for everyone so I don't want people to think well I've got to start doing this and I've got to start doing that if it's not broken do not fix it if it's just your worries that have been stressing you out all I can say to you is I promise you you don't need to worry and things will always change your sleep is not going to stay the same throughout your life whether it's good bad whatever right now because life goes up and down and your sleep has learned to evolve with your life and that's important often when sleep changes it's just a sign that it's trying to realign itself with the new normal or the new variable that's going on and we just need to give it a bit of time but we freak out so much about this issue we then go and change all our behavior and we move further away from our natural sleep wake cycle and how we like to live and how we need to live in order for us to have an identity and to feel good about ourselves which is all really important for sleep love that thank you so much that was really useful actually makes me really want to get into bed now I'm actually sitting in bed recording aren't I so that's good actually just lay back yeah thank you so much that was really useful Um, and where can we find you if people want to look for some more advice so um, if you are suffering right now if you've been having a sleep problem for longer than three months then do look at resleep so www.resleep or re-sleep.com and uh, if you do want to get in contact for some more bespoke styles treatment uh, to see someone like me specifically uh, then you can contact us at sleepyheadclinic.co.uk lovely thank Thank you so much I feel like that is the Q&A that we all needed and actually what a fascinating subject it never ceases to amaze me how interesting it is to discuss sleep sleep patterns what happens to us you know how it makes us feel I just yeah I loved all your questions so thank you very much for sending those across before we go um, George we need to do products we do and actually just a quick note Zoe didn't fall asleep in that episode she actually <laughs> had to dash to get on a motorbike which we will come on to like in a few weeks time because I'm still getting over the fact that she got on a motorbike to Luton airport which feels very dangerous but yeah she did have to pop off but yeah um, yes I as did. you were saying so we need to I would have rather I would have rather have stayed to be honest after that motorbiking experience I'll be, I'm not gonna lie um, so products okay so the first one I'm gonna kick us off with and it's it's one that we've spoken about before but maybe not for a while the other day I went to Marks and Spencers and I just wanted to give a very special shout out and thank you this is not paid or anything like that um, to the amazing team at Marks and Spencers because I got myself a couple of new bras and oh, I got fitted nice. I went, and I got um, a really nice couple from El McPherson's range and they're just absolutely gorgeous and I think I was wearing the wrong bra again which I didn't realise so I just yeah I just wanted to say if you're feeling a bit rubbish like I was looking at my bras and you know when you look down and you see like a gap between your boob yeah, and the bra and, they and maybe you don't have yeah. Yeah, and they gape and it just made me feel sad, sadly sad. So now I feel great. 
got some new ones. Actually, it's yeah. such a good way to give yourself a little boost buying yourself new underwear, for sure. Right. Um, this is another little booster, actually. So I, I mean, the weather is really depressing, isn't it? And I felt like I needed a little bit of colour in my face. So one of my favourite tanning brands is Bare by Vogue, which is obviously Vogue Williams tanning brand. And she has got a face serum. So it has got like hyaluronic acid in it and some other like vitamins and stuff. And But it's a tanning serum and you put it on like, well, I put it on before bed and then I put my moisturiser over the top and it gives you this really nice just hint of color i actually get the darkest one and it isn't that dark um so yeah i would really recommend it oh, and lovely obviously makes you look like you've had a good night's sleep even if you haven't <laughs> brilliant yeah. um so i'm gonna move from fake tan to a company called dusk have you heard of them george i have the bedding yeah the bedding but they've yeah. also branched out into furniture and i just got i uh, got it in the sale i got a really amazing round like almost shearling um ottoman that's going in my wardrobe just so I can toss more clothes on it and not fold them away. Um, but I got it in the sale and and it was really, really great value for money. They obviously do amazing beddings. They do incredible throws and they've got a really fantastic sale going on at the moment. So have a little look. The quality is really great. Love it. <laughs> From bedding to SPF. I don't know about you, but I found it really hard to find an SPF that I want to put on every single day. Like sometimes I'll have an SPF in like my, you know, tinted moisturizer or whatever, but I find it really difficult to get one that I actually want to put on. So I was in the Harrods Beauty Hall in Lakeside a couple of weeks ago, and everyone had been banging on about this brand called Ultra Violet, which is an, I think it's an Australian brand, and you'd like to think they do SPF well um so I thought you know what gonna give it a go and it is really good I've got the hydrating SPF it's 34 pounds so it's you know a little bit expensive really but it does last a long time and it it kind of I don't know I want to say it kind of adds to the glow a bit so you sort of feel like you're putting a bit of glow into your skin as well um i would really recommend it um if you are looking for like an everyday spf love that well done george thank you so much for sending in your questions and listening to today's podcast as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please give our podcast a little follow yeah and if you've got any suggestions for these friday q a's then please do drop us a message on instagram we're on at made by mamas and we'll be back on tuesday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group.